0: Welcome to Schooled by Mr. Baskin. I have been working with young people for 27 years plus now and I've loved it, all of it, even the tough times. I am using this time to reconnect with older students or to just kind of express what's on my mind. And now, not just about what I've done in the classroom, but what I've done on the football field. Hopefully it helps me kind of get thoughts out and also helps you kind of appreciate all the work that goes into being a teacher and a coach. Good morning. It's Mr. Bascom, Coach Bascom, Kurt, in my car. Uh, Sleepy. Kind of been better about that recently, but today I'm like, ugh. So I figured um, I haven't spoken to myself in a while. And as always, maybe there's a thought I make this into a podcast episode. I haven't done that in a while. It's something that I really want to start up again and make more regular again. When I do it, it's it helps me. The people that do listen to it, which numbers in the <laughs> in the tens, um, seem to like it. You know, so um, for me, it's just one of the ways that I um, best deal with issues, whether they're internal or external, is just talking them through. I don't like to let things just linger. I'd rather talk them out and. Um, even if it's not necessarily like a a problem, if it's just more, you know, um, you know, everyday occurrences and having to, you know, figure out my way through a given maze, it's just easiest for me to talk through my little pro and cons list and talk through um, as many sides of an issue as I can to just kind of, for myself, get a a firmer understanding of, of what's up. So... Um, I'm going to talk today (laughs) about something different. I'm going to talk about football. (laughs) I'm going to talk about uh, the upcoming season for me at Woodlands. Um, There was a lot of um, big changes in Section 1 where they moved a couple of teams that were in our our conference, our class. They moved them from Class C to Class B. Um, The way it works with us is the classes are based on school population. So there's AA for the really, really large schools like Arlington. There's A for large schools, but not quite as large as those mammoth ones. B, C, D, and then there's independent. Uh, my school, Woodlands, we're a C school, which is pretty small. C and D are, are really, generally speaking, very small schools under uh, 400 kids. You know, And I, I, I'm I, not 100% sure how they come up with that number if they're counting you know, the entire school population, are they just counting boys? If they're counting grades 10 through 12 or 9 through 12, I, I, I don't know. But regardless, Woodlands, my school, is a small school. And I think the enrollment something like 329 kids, which is insane. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, when you compare it to like Arlington, when my son goes to school, that they have the entire school has got to have close to 2,000, 3,000 kids. And I think they have like thirteen hundred kids listed in the way they do things uh, for this class classification. So my school's small, but they moved two programs up to the B class because apparently the populations got large over the last year or so. And the thing with moving those teams is they were in our weight class. I'm not going to say, oh, they're, they're wins. You know, you still got to play the games and but they had a similar talent pool and last year we beat, we lost to both of those teams that are moving up, but they were both competitive games. And I don't know if we would have won this year. I mean, I'll get to that later. We we definitely have some changes internally as a team, but moving them up, you know, stinks for us in a lot of ways. You know, we have a lot of similarities with those programs. And then they moved down two programs from the B-level to the C-level. And that would be uh, Bronxville and Westlake. And I don't know a lot about those programs, except that those programs have been consistently very good over the years at the B-level. So playing against bigger schools, they were doing really well. And now they're moved into my school's class, which means they're going to blow everybody up most especially us, potentially, you know. um, Again, it's all conjecture, you know, it's still January. We have no idea what's going to come in the next seven months as far as, you know, uh, kids rising to increasing their school set, more kids coming to a certain school. There's countless factors, but realistically based on what's currently available to us, the knowledge that we can currently you know, look at, it looks like this puts us at a big disadvantage. We lose two teams in our class that are comparable to us, and we gain two teams that over the last several years are significantly more skilled than we are, let's say. So, you know, then there's this concern about, wow, if this is going to happen, maybe we should consider you know going to the independent league and that's the league i didn't mention yet Independent league is sort of like the outpost of high school football and especially in this region and it's schools from like they're, they're kind of sprinkled from all over the tri-state area you have schools closer to new york like mount vernon you got schools like um peakskill poughkeepsie spring valley and the schools all throughout you know the 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 mid-Hudson region, you know, mid-Hudson Valley region. And some of those schools, in fact, most of them, I like, "Look them up, are relatively large. Again, we would still be one of those smaller schools population-wise in the independent class. But, you know, the way it was delivered to me was that, well, we'd have a better chance of winning there. And, you know, the thought being, well, these schools, Some of those schools are smaller. Some of those programs are, are for a variety of reasons, perhaps less developed. And, you know, there was that school of thought that, well, going independent might help ensure that we have a better winning record and thus keep kids more engaged in the program because it's hard to keep kids continuing to show up and want to play every week if you're getting blown out losing every weekend, you know, so that was kind of what was, you know, brought to me, you know, the the idea of we stay where you're at and you're going to, you know, face some really difficult competition and the prospect of maybe losing even more than last year. And mind you, last year we only won one game, you know, or going independent. Or hoping somehow that the powers that be in Section One coaches will create sort of a a hybrid Section One slash independent grouping, where these lower B level teams, like the teams that just got moved up to level B, plus teams in my class that aren't thrilled with things, kind of band together and form, you know, this other alternate universe. <laughs> the league, I guess. And um, that seems somewhat far-fetched too, as Section 1 is a lot of a lore. There are a lot of reasons to want to stay in Section 1. First, it's kind of like the NFL versus the XFL or USFL. It, it's the brand. It, it's, it's the best-known organization. They have a legacy. They have a lot of good coaching. They have a history that's generally more positive than negative. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, sketchy sort of teams where all of a sudden they bail at the last second. You don't have to worry about the absence of, of good refereeing or fielding, you know, things like things of that nature that have been brought up. When dealing with recruiting, when you know your players are interested in looking at playing in college, the recruiting people that I've met from different colleges, they always bring up section one. That's important to them. You know, and again it's the brand, you know, it's sort of you know, people go with what they know and they know they know of section one, there's a lot of good football that's been played over here over the years, well way, way past my limited time in this in this game. You know, whether it's Arlington or New Rochelle or Carmel or or so many of these big programs, Somers, you know, even at the smaller levels. We had Tuckahoe, level D, a class D school. an outstanding season and and get to vie for the state title you know and um so staying in section one you know it's sort of like there's a certain cachet that goes with it you you want to be a part of that um so that leaves us where we're at my athletic director great guy you know he's like kurt i'll go with what you're thinking but i want you to you know roll these ideas around you know and Um, I did. I spoke to a lot of people. I spoke to Smitty, who's, you know, my assistant coach and my mentor in a lot of ways. And, um, someone I trust a lot when it comes to making decisions. And when we spoke, it was sort of like, I don't want to go into the season just already assuming we're going to stink and we're going to get blown out. You know, I I don't like that prospect, neither does he. So we were in the same mindset there. Um... And plus the, the convenience of knowing that well, if we stay in section one, we're playing teams in our vicinity. The, the idea of having to cross a bridge or go further north or go further south or play in so-called uncharted territory, you know, that that prospect is is much smaller if we stay in section one. You know, then I spoke to several coaches via text or in a conversation on the phone, just in trying to iron out, you know, different points of view. And most of them were in the same mindset that i'm bringing up that you know this it stinks for you and we understand your predicament you know but section one brings a lot of you know positives and the idea of leaving there's no guarantee that you're going to go to an independent class and beat those teams you know i I looked up the populations the enrollments at a lot of those independent schools and again we're dwarfed we had 329 kids i think at woodlands and some of these schools have enrollments over 1,000, you know, over 1,100 even. And, you know, realistically, if you're pulling pulling players from a population that large, just the odds say you're going to have a better team. You're going to have bigger kids. You're going to have more possibilities to to pick from, whereas we have to take whatever we got. You know, last year we're playing my, – my starting middle linebacker was 145 pounds maybe, you know, and when generally a linebacker here should be around 190 to 100 to 200 plus pounds, you know, that just kind of tells you what we're pulling from. That said, I'd rather do more with less, you know, staying here in section one, you know, taking our lumps than, you know, going to the unknown, you know, and going to the outpost, so to speak. hurt our recruiting hurt uh, our logistical convenience, hurt our reputation. You know, Woodland's reputation in the last several years has not been good. I, I kind of feel like we did a good job last season in planting some seeds and helping to turn that thought around. I've, I've heard really nice compliments from outside sources, not just my athletic director, who's, you know, he's biased. He's from Woodland's. He likes me. He hired me but hearing from other coaches and other parents and other people makes me feel like, all right, we did some things right. You know, so if we're on the uptick, you know, at least from last year, I don't, I want to build on that. I don't want to just kind of lower expectations and already assume we're going to lose. Um, so yeah, we're going to stay, but here's the thing though, and here's the bigger challenge that, that's going through my head. Knowing this going in, how do I convey that to my team? And how do I construct a team that we know is going to face all these uphill challenges and more? And then there's the internal challenges. I have nine seniors that are graduating, most of which were really skillful players and contributed a great deal to the team. I have at least two players that are moving, one of which was a starter. The other one was just a freshman, just learning the game. But was very eager and had certain physical attributes that were gonna serve him well if he were to stay with us. And so we're losing at least 11 players. We have some players right now that, because of a combination of academics and behavioral issues may not be back with us as well. And still pulling from the same school population. So it's not like all of a sudden, you know, six 250 pound guys showed up in the school. That's not the case. The freshmen we had last season, Um, you know, then many of them are going to the workouts and they, they have the right mentality, a lot of them, but they don't have those physical attributes. They just don't, you know, I, I have kids that were there that were, and are, you know, 130, 140 pounds, maybe, you know, and they're not benching three digits They're you know, they're benching, you know, 80 pounds, (laughs) you know, it's really difficult to, um, Contend when you have players that are relatively small and relatively less powerful and less fast and less knowledgeable. So that you know, it's we're gonna have our challenges. You know, the, the, my seniors that are graduating. You know, David was all conference. You know, and he was 145 pounds, but he hit like a hammer and ran unbelievably quickly. And losing Thomas, a, a three-year starter quarterback, and I'm losing Johnny and Trevor, these big, huge guys that lock down the offensive line and and Anthony, who, who was, you know, all league for playing linebacker so well. And, and and I'm not, I don't have replacements for those guys, you know? And, um, you know, that's a little scary. So it's sort of like, right, how do I prepare this team to have the right mentality amidst all these challenges? You know, that's something that I'm dealing with. I, I don't want just numbers, but at the same time, you need numbers. I can't, go into a season with 20 guys, you know, that when I took over this team, the, the previous year's team, that was the case. They were going in the games with like 16, 17, 18 guys, which means at practice, they probably had that or less. How, how, how are you supposed to practice then? You, re- you literally can't run 11 on 11, you know, you, you got to have 30 guys. I don't think you need to have 40, but I think 30, Thirty-five. That's an ideal number to have, given our school size, given where we're at. You know, there's some schools like again, like Arlington. You know, they they have sixty-five kids on the varsity. You know, which is insane because a lot of those kids never play. I went to Dallas's uh, awards dinner the other day, the awards banquet, and yeah, a hundred sixty kids in that program. And when they got to the varsity part of the awards banquet. I would say half of those kids were on what they called the, the look team. And the look team is just a scout team, which meant they practiced every day, but they were the opposing force for their starters, for their main guys. So most of those guys never got into games, you know? So I, you can have a larger team, but then you're gonna deal with the prospect that have a lot of players that don't play. And in a larger school, some kids are good with that. But in my school, you know, where I got 300 something kids, these kids have to get in. I can't have 60 kids and then leave 30 out. Then I won't have 60 kids for very long. So I don't want 60, I want 30. But how do you recruit, train and keep 30 players in a small school with all of these challenging prospects ahead of you and keep their heads in it? That's my challenge. You know, that, as a head coach, that's what I signed up for. So I can't be like, oh, these sucks that's not going to work. Um, what helps is having a good staff. And I have Coach Campbell, Eli, he's my uh, going to be my offensive coordinator. And he's running my off-season program, the training program we have. And he's regularly meeting with kids at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Um, weightlifting, football IQ, skills, And, again, he's not getting big numbers necessarily. He's probably getting, you know, 8 to 12 kids, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And the kids that are there are committed. You know, the kids that are – they're coming every day, and they're trying to get better, and they're they're taking advice. They're not resistant. They're not just there to hang out. Um, So that helps, having a staff that is eager to grow, that's not in a hurry and just, oh, you know – Wins are a bust. Playoffs are a bust. I would love to do that. It's hard for me as a competitive person to not be in the playoffs. This past season was the first time I coached a team not in the playoffs in a really long time. You know, my time at Spelman, we were in the playoffs every year. My time at Columbus, the years I was there, we were in the playoffs every year. So this was the first time in a long time we weren't in the playoffs I'd love to go back there next year, but I can't think of that right now. Right now, I got to think about putting together a real team, you know, that are committed to this team and committed to getting better regardless of what the record or the standings or the scoreboard says. So having a staff helps. Having kids with the right mindset, you know, the commitment. Having parents that are willing to make sure their kids are there. You know, I have found that... Some parents, you know, they they use football as an incentive. But if their child is doing poorly or has a tough time in a class or has a tough time with their behavior, they take it away like it's their phone or their video game system. And I have a problem with that. I think football can save a kid's life. I think sports helps a kid stay grounded, stay organized, have a structure, have a, a, a healthy vent for their emotional issues you know um when you give it and take it like it's you know a video game you're not letting the kid take the, the core parts of of uh, what they can gain from it but at the same time one i'm not that kid's parent i can't supersede their their choice you know? And it's also where, you know, I have a lot of empathy. I have two kids and my kids are great and well-behaved and get good grades, but, you know, sometimes you have to use the carrot or sometimes you have to use the stick. And if a kid's consistently doing poorly in classes or misbehaving or not showing respect, yeah, sometimes you got to use the stick sometimes. And that means taking away the thing they like, which in this case could be football. So for me to kind of build a team amidst these challenges, I need to have parents understand that there's a line that we're all straddling between empathy and understanding and discipline. We need both. I want you to be firm with your kids, but I also want you to be understanding that this sport's giving them something. And if you're going to punish them in some way, I don't know if taking the sport away is the right punishment necessarily, although it can be for some you know, I, I, I got to that line with some players last year where I tend had to ask players to leave the team. They just weren't showing love of commitment, but that's different. That's not all oh, these kids are, you know, getting bad grades necessarily, but I need that too. So, all that stuff aside, I, I, I need players that want to be there and are willing to do the things to make sure they're there. That means willing to go to class, willing to be on time, willing to do their work to the best of their ability in the classroom, willing to put up with teachers they don't like and present themselves in a positive way. But that's the funny thing with sports and particularly football. You don't want a team full of, you know, upstanding gentlemen necessarily. Sometimes you need that savage kid. You need that kid with that swagger, with that attitude, with that kind of nasty nature. You know, I, I, I want my outside linebacker, or my edge rusher, to have the possibility of wilding out and blowing up some kid. And that doesn't come from the kid who puts the apple on the teacher's desk. You know, you, you, you need that edge a little bit. I need my receiver in my corner to feel like they're the best player on the planet in a given moment so that they have the confidence to go up and catch that tough pass, you know. And those types of players are not always the best kids in the classroom. You know, so it's sort of like how do you build this team of people that are committed and also deal with that that element cuz you need that element you do you know you can't have you don't want a team full of jerks you don't want a team full of you know arrogant me first i'm awesome who are physically in, indeed gifted but are jerks but but you do need some of that swagger you do need some of that attitude you know that edge and you know so that that's still to be seen you know so these are Some of the things I'm contending with, I really want to have 30 plus players. Right now, I would say, minus those kids that I told you were either graduating or are uh, moving, right now I know I have 24. Um, I have two players that are having some serious attitude slash behavior slash academic issues, at least, and I have... Another player who has some of those issues, plus, you know, the parent is very adamant about them not playing until that changes. So, right now, let's say we're at 20, you know. That means I gotta find, you know, 10 plus players with the right mindset. And I think we've, I hear we have two more, you know, one I know, one I don't know. But neither one of them are big. And I can't coach size. You know, I, I need to find some big bodies because in football, you that that matters. Size matters in football. I need somebody who's big enough and relatively strong enough that I can put them on the offensive line and say, you stay in front of that guy for three seconds at a time, four seconds at a time. You know, because I don't care how much heart you have. If you weigh 150 pounds, you're not going to do as much good on the offensive defensive line. You're, if you weigh 160 pounds and you got to tackle somebody who weighs... 210, good luck. You know, that's, gonna, that's a really difficult ask. It's possible, you know, but then you got to deal with injuries, too. And like I said, we want to be at 30, not at, you know, we were at 30, and then three guys got hurt. You know, so... Um, I'll have more to say about this, but as this new season starts, and as I get closer to work, I'm going to tie this up. And I think this one I'm going to put on. You know, I'm going to find a minute and tweet this around and I'm due to put out a podcast it's been a minute so anyhow hope you took something from this I would love your feedback I would love for you to subscribe if you don't already I would love uh you know you to spread the word you know and um until we talk again all right